Hey, listen up, idiots. This is your spoiler warning. Also, you might get offended. So warning for that, too, you idiots. Hello, my name is Kyle. And my name is Ryan. And when our powers combine, we form Experience Grind Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) I like how we're just mixing it up every fucking time now. (laughs) Fuck it all. Hi, everybody. People don't like consistency in things. No. I, I, yeah. That's the weird. All right. So that's funny that you bring that up. I don't know why this triggered this thought in my mind. Let's roll with it. But people, so <laughs> generally in music, the reason that oh people come back to the course is because that's the familiar thing that, and people do like familiarity and routine, which we are totally fucking with. But I was always a uh, different music guy. I didn't like to play songs the same way twice when i was younger i get it now it's way sure. way more beneficial <laughs> you can do some other but i would i'd always play weird different beats and yeah so most of my early bands didn't work out surprise wow yeah Go weird figure. right <laughs> maybe i do need to shoulder all of that blame oh man we're just unloading this uh closet full of skeletons yeah man you're my you're the best therapist i guess um, i mean i all just my listen favorite therapists <laughs> wear cartoon character songs <laughs> That's how I know they're real grounded in reality. That sounds like my dad. Can help me with my issues. Read your cartoon books. I'm like, God damn it. You're not even trying. You're not my real dad. (laughs) Well, you are. You can't prove you're the father. My mom (laughs) fucked the same guy twice, but might not have been you. Yeah. Can't tell me nothing, dog. Mm -hmm. Speaking of rebelling, it's not rebelling at all. Ryan, what the hell did you do this weekend? Oh, shit. Uh, well, I went to Gen Con. (laughs) The Gen Con. Because I guess if you listened to the last podcast, you knew that I was going to Gen Con. Yeah, because we kind of pulled that one out of the Surprise! I went to Gen Con and I am back. And, uh, it was a trip. Did Laura go with you this year? She did. Okay. Did she not go last year? Uh, last year she went some of the time. That's okay. Yeah. One of those days, Laura was not there and Brooks and I hung out That's all day. That's right. That's right. And we kind of did a, a little, a little day together around a little, the a little con. Bro you made a day of it. Yeah. We had a bro date. Aw. Mm-hmm. Did you play a lot of shit? That's your, I, that's played, your favorite thing yeah. to go for, right? Yeah. I try to. What, uh, was the, what was the longest game you played? Huh. Um... Well, I didn't finish it, but one of the big games that is uh getting a lot of hype this year is called Root, which plays like Risk, but you have four different factions of woodland creatures, and it feels kind of like Watership Down, where like okay. the creatures are fighting, and it's more violent than it is, but each one plays drastically different. Like It's not like Risk, where you might have different strategies, you're still basically playing the game the same one plays like like a card game and then one plays like risk and then one plays like monopoly or something or one plays like i don't know othello and like that's how different each one plays for an example so what are the classes uh like uh one was the what did you play as the bird clan is what i was okay and so their goal and how they played was every turn you use your hand of cards to kind of populate on your play mat and make more armies and you're kind of like the zerg you do okay cool big quick armies of small people and you rush 
And you do this by kind of essentially just discarding your cards. So you never ever really look at anything that's ability-wise or anything because you're just playing those for like energy to make troops and get those out. Whereas Laura had like a hand of cards and she's more tactical. She has to think of like what to do. And I think hers were the, uh, I want to say like the rabbits or something. I'm not sure. I would have expected the rabbits to, to be, be the, the populating one. Yeah. Actually, wasn't the rabbits. It might have been the chipmunks or something. I'm I'm not sure. It was some kind of small, cute, furry thing. But she's actually using the abilities to do like, if you land here, then three of your men go and I gain two men and she'll play a card. So it's like she's making traps and using things. And it's just really interesting. But we spent an hour and change just learning the game and oh got through God. all of two fucking turns. And that is how complicated this game was. That sounds terrible. Um, Yeah, I did not hate it, but I definitely didn't enjoy it either. Um, So would you still consider that a waste of time? No. Okay. <laughs> no, because at least I like I got the chance because I would have been interested hearing all this buzz around it. it. Sure. You know? And and now like I have a baseline too, like, well, that's that's like I can't do that level. So now when I play a game, I'm like, well, at least it's not root. So maybe like I can pick up on these mechanics a little bit easier because I think by the end of it I was starting to get it, but like still not even near what I, I probably could have been with any other game out there. So first hype game of 2018, 2019, Ryan Demarest says, say no to. Nah. Stay I, away from yeah. <laughs> Get away from Root. Yeah. Root is a no-go. Get out of there. According to Ryan Demarest. Don't play it. On the I don't know. Grand it podcast. could be good. It's just... It's, Dude, it's... you already lost me at an hour and a half explaining rules. Fuck you. Oh, and we still... Like like I said, two turns in, we had not even encountered every option yet. Yeah. Like there's there's no way we would have got through it. Fuck you. Yeah, it it's was I, rough. I would look the dude that made it in the face, and I'd it was like, rough. No, fuck you. I'm leaving, <laughs> and I'm taking these cards that you had printed up with me. Oh yeah, call security, and they'll be like, "Wait, you made him sit here for an hour and a half, and he still doesn't know the rules? What's the matter with you, man? Get out of this convention." Uh, that would not happen. They'd kick me out immediately. They would kick you out immediately. So fast. And every nerd around you would be like, it's not that hard. Yeah, fucking retard. You didn't play Starship Farsity, the fourth <laughs> edition in 72. Yeah. That was the that real was the real struggle. We didn't yeah. even have the internet. <laughs> God. Fuck, spoil millennials. Yeah, I am. Okay? Wow. Just drop millennials in there, huh? But yeah, so I... I, I am a millennial. Goes. Are you still? I, I guess I am technically you, a millennial. Yeah, you're only, I'm... You're 80. Because I'm younger than you. Six? Yeah. You got it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, we're definitely both still a millennial. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Welcome to the By pit, these bro. new classifications that are bullshit. Hashtag not my astrology. <laughs> Hashtag 12 months only or 12 signs only. Yeah. Get that 13th one out of there. This ain't China. Yet. 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 It's coming. Better learn Mandarin, <laughs> everybody. Not Cantonese. Mandarin's the dominant language. I know a lot about China. Wow. <laughs> I just blow your mind with these China facts. I just love how uh, intense you are with the trivia tonight. <laughs> uh, we have this thing called a corporate challenge coming up. Are you familiar with these? No. So corporate challenges, they usually take place during the summer. 
different businesses around the area, their employees will compete in different tests of skill or strength. And oh, like, okay, so you you score points for your job. Uh, I'm doing the archery. I did archery last year too. I suck at it, but when do I get a chance to shoot a bow and arrow? Okay, I pretend I'm Legolas. That's right. I said it. Not even like Hawkeye or somebody Hawkeye. remotely cooler. Legolas is way cooler than Hawkeye. Uh, he's a tool. <laughs> that lady sucks. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I jumped to that. I wanted to talk more about Gen Con. So it was three days or you went up? Uh, it's a it's a four day convention. You went Thursday too. Yeah. So we were there Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We didn't end up going Sunday. Um, I don't get Sundays on conventions. I've never. Yeah, they're half done days. The they're the Expo Center either. It's garbage. They're usually family days, and like there's more kids and stuff going in, and it just gets less focused. And people are breaking down. People want to leave. They want to yep. get the fuck out of there. So mm-hmm. it's never as cool. That's yeah. what I remember from the Expo. We there's went, a reason they yeah. charge less for Sundays. Yeah. It's it's a lesser day. So we we left. We ended up giving our badges to uh, Laura's brother and his son. So they could go in our place, and oh. I think they did. I don't know what they thought of it because I've not heard did back. They show but up. Who knows? <laughs> oh, who knows? Know. No. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we were staying the night with them, so we just had oh. to drop the passes off. But that said, Saturday night he was supposed to meet us out and do dinner in Indy. Just didn't come. Nah. Yeah. He didn't even text us or contact us until like five that day and he was like yeah i think i think i'm not gonna come out there but like we can cook at home i'm like great we know that asshole (laughs) we wanted to get dinner you fucking dick well we ended up going in later and then doing barbecue out with them but it was just like i only know these things because he told me flake flake yeah on his birthday party on his birthday party (laughs) that you guys were throwing for him he's like yeah i'm not gonna come yeah yeah what else did you play, yeah. man? Anything that did grab yeah. your goat? Not root. Um, yeah, there were some things. I don't know if they're they're new ones necessarily. Um, Sagrada was a game that was real fun. And I'll be I'm gonna be very quick because I know board games is like super fucking niche to like our listeners. I think I'm a sure lot of people like nobody them. cares. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see on this on this one post if you care about board games. Yeah. If you say you don't, we'll never talk about it again. I I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't. But Sagrada is, uh, it, it's weird because it's like the stupidest fucking concept. You're a window maker in like ancient times with like the, uh, church windows. So you're doing stained glass. Yeah. And it's a game where you kind of roll a bunch of colored dice and you have to place them in a window pane. And it becomes almost like a, uh, a logic game. Like, um, what's the one where you have a bunch of different shapes? And, like, there's seven pieces, and you have to r- arrange them to make, like, a fox or, like, a rocket ship. And you have, like, a trapezoidal piece, a square yeah. piece. It becomes almost like that, but with trying to match um, colors and the numbers on the dice. And your your window that you're working in has, like, certain areas that have to be specifically one or the other. And you get points for, like, columns and rows. So it's almost like Tetris, too. And it's a, it's a really cool... Um, are other people playing on the same 
window. And they all have to... their own window. Oh, okay. So it, it is like Tetris where you, or Puyo Puyo Attack or something like those where you're fighting them and you're trying to race them and do like okay. a better puzzle kind of than I they did, are. So I have this game called Blocus or Blocus. Oh, it's like that too. Yeah. Where, yeah. But the thing about that, everybody plays on the same board mm-hmm. and you're also trying to use your moves to also stop or yeah. deter them. While also scoring points. I didn't know yeah. if it was like that. The way you do that in Sagrada, it is like that, but you all have your different boards. But the way you can like block and fuck people over in Sagrada is um, one person is the leader of the turn. They roll the number of people there times two plus one. So if there are four people playing, you would roll nine dice. Three people playing, you would roll seven dice. So Jesus Christ, it's a lot of dice. Yeah, so you roll it into like a little thing and you pass it around and each person takes as they go and then the fourth person to pick would then pick again and then it goes back opposite way. Okay. So the person who goes first picks first and last of everybody. So it's like uh, fantasy football drafts. Yeah, so like then that. you can okay. kind of see like who's behind you or in front of you and take the dice they need to just ah. fuck them over. So you could say like, you really need that five uh and that's the only five yellow so that would really work for you i just need a yellow fuck you i'm taking the yellow and you do that so it becomes I like, like real interesting in how you draft yeah that's i love a, any that's game that one. you can fuck over people and specifically yeah. any game that i can fuck over you that's yeah yeah, yeah. me too i love that uh yeah. the term i learned this weekend it's called hate drafting when you draft not for yourself but to fuck people yeah hate drafting is the legit term that I've, the board gamers use so I am big I in hate drafting. It's also big in like uh, billiards or pool. Oh, if you yeah? can't specifically hit a shot, mm. like if your ball won't go in, you, you fuck can, somebody over yeah, on their shot. You'll you'll make a intentionally really terrible shot to put them in a terrible position. Yeah, yeah. And then that also becomes. I like games that do that. That become a meta game within the major game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, your ultimate goal is to do this, but you can't do that yet. So your side goal is to fuck over him as bad as possible. And then once you do that to him, yep. he can't get a shot. So he's ultimately, well, I got to fucking try to fuck you over <laughs> with a terrible. And it's, I love things that go like that. There's, Me too. Me too. There's the competition and then these, these secret underlying competitions that yeah. sometimes have multiple levels. That's, that's what I like about gaming as a that's, whole. That's why I really like Spyfall or Coup or yeah. something because you get to kind of make the game your own. So like as soon as like I don't think I'm going to win, my mission becomes I'm going to do my best to get everybody to think Kyle's this and fuck him yeah. real hard. Yeah. And then it becomes like fun like in a whole different level. We also ended up getting like uh I guess the secession to Clue or not Clue, Coup which is called Exodus. And it's another game where you have secret identities. There's two teams working on... Ooh, I like teams. But, like, nobody knows the other team. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's on whose team. But there is a resistance and then the attackers. And the resistance's job is to stay outpaced from the attackers, and they win the game. But you're all placing down different cards that have um, distances on it. And it just becomes like a number game. So like there will be a pile for resistance numbers and a pile for the attackers. And if the attacker starts to overtake the resistance, they lose. And you do this by placing everything face down. And you have a leader each round that changes based on votes. And uh, you kind of lie about your cards or bluff a little bit. And you say, yeah, I'm putting down something that's going to be really good for the resistance. Like it's going to help you out. And you kind of have to like start trusting 
But then there are abilities that people have to like let you see a card. So you can just stop the game at one point and be like, I'm not I'm not trusting you right now. Flip your card over. Show everybody what it is. Since you said it's good for resistance, flip it over. And you kind of start doing it that way. And then slowly but surely there are mechanics too where you can start to attack and kill people. So if you have a hunch, you can start targeting people mm. to get them out of the game and see if you're doing right. So it, it's real interesting. Again, a lot like Coup, but just slightly slightly more complicated. A okay. little bit more to do. But So on that note, you mentioned yes. you picked that up. Mm-hmm. L- l- final question. What what was your uh what was your damage this weekend? Uh I think board game wise about 180 to 200. That's not that bad. No, but add in a lot more money because Laura bought like four t-shirts. Okay. Um she bought a in and the t-shirts I think were $100 by themselves. Good god. Yeah, cuz Wait, they were, so how many? 5 they were like 20 bucks 49 for two or something. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So it was about 100 expensive. for four t-shirts. Um, she bought like an elvish headband for like fifty okay. or sixty dollars, and uh, I think there was something else too. But all together, it really rocketed the price up. So Man. bringing Laura along like doubled whatever I I I ended up spending. Is it an awesome not having kids? Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a lot, but you're like, oh, fuck it, man. I mean, it is. Yeah, we saved up for it. Whatever. We have money, and it's like, yeah, we we don't we have two mouths to feed. Yeah, possibly a half if you count Murph. Yeah, big deal. Mm-hmm. Fucking See, a. that bitch eats for a dollar a day. <laughs> like, I'm not too worried. I can say bitch because she's a female dog. Yeah, fucking calm it down, PC. In current police. year, <laughs> calm it down. Put down the angry letter writing pen, or do I don't care. Yeah, write it to us. I would love <laughs> to get that. <laughs> Kyle's address is blah 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 da 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 da. <laughs> Some people know it out there. I call it Experience yeah. Grand HQ though. Oh yeah. When I send out packages, because I send them out from here, and it's Experience Grand HQ. Actually, I, on that's, the all, that's all return. I write. I don't put a return address. I just write Experience Grand HQ. Nobody knows where this is. Well, there might be two people out there. Oh yeah, three. Because we're very hospitable. Yeah. Three people, at least. I think Ben's going to come stay with us next year. What? When? Yeah. Why? Before Expo, he's going to fly into Indy because it'd be cheaper. Oh, yeah. Than riding out to Expo with us. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. That'd be fun. It's like, dude, you know you can stay. Ben's best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it. Everybody else. I mean, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't choose favorites. And I if love- I did, it's not Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I kid, I kid, I kid. After that stinging burn, let's get into our movie talk. Oh, shit. We're talking about movie. We are. Did and we even say what we're talking about yet? We haven't. No. I love it. Uh, I think everybody knows. They should be able to read. I don't know. We're talking about some Hamlet 2. Some of our friends are from Kentucky. That's true. After all. <laughs> Weirdos down there. Nah. No, we're going to talk about no Hamlet 2, man. No titties. But before we do, I'm resurrecting it again. We're going to do a goddamn bumper. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think it's deserved for this one. You're right. Yeah. Can you guess what it is? Yeah. What is it? Give him the sexy name. Jesus. It is gonna be, sexy Jesus. It is going to be a musical number from the movie <laughs> called Rock Me Sexy Jesus. It's a fantastic <laughs> little song. It's about two and a half minutes long or so. And uh, so here you go. This is a musical number from the movie Hamlet 2.
He's totally the man, the man with the plan. He traveled through time in an awesome custom van. Moralistically, he taught us to be good, how to set our souls free and do all the shit we should. Now we do the right deeds, we go to church and such, and we stop smoking weed, well at least not as much. And we can't forget to mention the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them. Slam, bam, spank you, man. Do unto you. Rock me, rock me, rock me, sexy Jesus. He died for our sins. You gotta believe us. Rock me, rock me, rock me, sexy Jesus. everybody that was rock me sexy jesus which i'm sure will come up again later on in this episode but ryan 
Let's talk a little bit about just Hamlet 2 overall. Yes. How many wh- how many times have you seen this? This, uh, your- this would be my second time. This was only your second time. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, I saw it probably if it you said it came out 2008. in 2008. Yeah. So I probably saw it in 2009, 2010. Probably actually no, it would have been before. It might have been 2008 I saw it. I probably saw it pretty close because it was a few years before Korea, which was 2010. Holy shit. Okay. Um so I saw it pretty close to release, but it was on DVD. I know you saw it in theaters, mm-hmm. but it was uh back when Netflix only did mail to DVDs. I remember those days. Yeah. I never was a member <laughs> back then. Oh, I was cuz yeah. it was I don't know. I like I had a, an addiction. Like I had to see everything. Like I wanted to see everything that was out there and like this was the first time it was uh easy, easy to do yeah. legally. Yeah. You know? I mean, I had done it illegally before by downloading my fucking brains out, but uh <laughs> No, uh, Netflix just clicked with me. So I would go through and like anything that was like higher than a certain star rating, like even if I had never heard of it, like it was in my queue to be sent to me. And Hamlet too was one of those. Like I've never heard of it. I'd never heard of Steve Coogan at this point. Um, the name was fucking stupid as hell. It just nothing, which is another great point of this movie. It, but I didn't know the yeah. movie was being smart. Like I saw. I didn't even see a trailer of this movie before seeing it. Like, I knew nothing about it. I thought everything about it was stupid, but I was trusting because of the high rating count from the users is going to be a hit. And I got it eventually, and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. I didn't fall in love with it. But you really um, enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm jumping ahead because after this recent viewing, I think I love this movie. But the first time I I saw it, I thought it was really slight. Um, I didn't think there was much there. And I was like, yeah, that's funny and entertaining. Oh, well. And I kind of just forgot about it. But this time going through, like, I think this is one of the strongest comedies that came out during that time. Um, There's really not too, too much that doesn't work here. Like, I think all of the jokes and bits are good. And the film moves so fucking quickly. It's very, that's it's hour thirty two or hour thirty seven. One of those, and it doesn't even feel like that. Like it feels shorter than some hour long TV shows, man. What, like it's, it's so that's one so of its, quick. its greatest benefits. Like I feel like a lot of times, especially comedies now, like fuck, you can't find a Judd Apatow. The that's coming in at one forty five, yeah. two hours, and it's like fuck, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's a comedy. We're, we're yeah. We're here to have fun it's and like, be lighthearted. Let's you're get lucky it in. to get a comedy that's under two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Anymore. This thing is perfectly paced, mm-hmm. perfectly timed. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with everything you said. I saw this in theaters mm-hmm. and I remember seeing trailers and was like, well, this looks quirky and fucking stupid and weird and also indie. I, this was during yeah. my big indie phase, which technically I've still never gotten out of. Nothing wrong with that. No, I still love <laughs> indie movies. But this was when it was being birthed. Oh, sure, yeah. I remember I was like, oh, I want to go see that. So I went and saw it in theaters. I really fucking liked it. And I've seen it a handful of times since then because I actually own this movie. But it had been a few years since I watched it. And that always kind of makes me nervous, especially going back into it for this show. Because mm-hmm. I, I try to judge every movie on its own merit. But I also know, like... 
it's weird watching it for the show. I become way more critical and mm-hmm. and analytical because I I am trying to you know talk about it yeah somehow. talk mm-hmm. about it and not just enjoy a film as being a movie. So mm-hmm. there's also this weird dichotomy. I do try to just say, all right, this is a mm-hmm. humor movie. I'm not going to compare it to others, but yeah. Plus, a so lot of times is. you go back to like comedies from older times, and it just like the comedy landscape changes so much in between that it's hard to not go only back. your comedy but like the th- yeah. or not only comedy but your specific comedy that True. you like like yeah. your life experiences your and your may have changed yeah, and evolved things that were funny when you're a teenager mm-hmm. like dude where's my car for example yeah. like yeah i admit it's i should not like that movie it's a terrible film but i do like it mostly for its nostalgia factor that yeah. i appreciate as being a kid Nothing in that movie relates to me now as an adult, <laughs> but it gets by. Are you saying you don't get shibby? Uh, no, I do okay. not. All right, never mind then. And I don't wear <laughs> oversized army coats because they're cool anymore, but I did at one point. Yeah. I did too, yeah. but because of Charlie. And sure, always okay. <laughs> Obviously, like, uh, your, your role models and mine, not too, <laughs> too dissimilar. <laughs> but no, uh... Coming back to Hamlet 2 after this time, I was a little nervous, and I think I laughed more at it this time than I have any time. I was yeah. I was pretty much entertained and laughing throughout this whole movie, mm-hmm. and it man, it's it's so fucking good. Hamlet 2 yeah. is incredibly underrated and incredibly unknown. I would imagine most of our listening audience doesn't even know anything that this movie exists. Yeah, I would say this episode is going to be one where we don't have a single person who listens regularly having seen, seen it before. Yeah, I would imagine, too. Yeah. I'd and say it's pretty good. Yeah. Bet. I'm with you. I, I wholly recommend it. Um, I think uh, it's interesting talking about like the personal taste in comedies. And I think maybe the reason I did not get into this back when I saw it was because I was not really too into like that British style of humor. That's so because fucking this great was, you brought this, this up. This was before it crowd. This was before like anything from that side of the pond like I had seen. Like I really just did not connect with that yet. And I think with time and technology, like we've been getting more and more access to like international properties and it's given us like this this kind of international sense of humor. And I think Hamlet too is so British in God its humor. damn it. it that is, is one of my fucking right? notes. This movie is so episodes, very episodes dry is another one British I love too. Like, but yeah. I had never put that until watching it this time. And that yeah. was, this was probably the because this is the first really <laughs> British feeling thing I've seen. Yeah. And then I got into IT crowd and the British office mm-hmm. and extras uh, or Todd Margaret, all of those. Oh, yeah. I love Todd Margaret. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Catastrophe. I I had seen those in between mm-hmm. my most recent viewings of this and watching this, I was like, "Holy shit, this is like a British comedy," mm-hmm. and it absolutely that's so fucking amazing. You went right there too. Yeah, yeah, because I, I immediately when I saw it this time, I was like, "What? Why? Why? Why did I enjoy it that much more?" I'm like, you know, it probably is because back then, like, I don't know if I had seen anything British outside of probably Monty Python. And mm-hmm. even then, like, of all the Monty Python people, like, I wasn't that into it. Like, holy I've grails, always enjoyed it. a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. That's my, that's it. I like Life of Brian, too, but they're not, some people tout it as, like, the highest epitome of comedy. And I, it yes. probably was yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. 
I get. I might be just like an overhyped thing because you always hear about how great Monty Python is, and I I love Monty Python, but mm-hmm. like I am not near the level of like no. a lot of people. When yeah, you whatever talk you about call Monty like Python. the fanatical Python fans, yeah. like that's not us. No, so but like, I still like it, and I will watch yeah. it anytime. Yeah, but I'm not there to fucking sink my oh, teeth sure. into it. Yeah. But like that's that was like my only exposure. So I, I really do think it is like that British humor. And I think now so going awesome, back, man. like I think that's made this the perfect cult comedy because I just don't think America was ready for this yet. But I think now that we've been inundated with all this the the Netflix and Hulu and you can get shit from anywhere now. Yeah. I think this movie can now find an audience I didn't have back then another great one steve coogan still saxondale yeah <laughs> that's another <laughs> that's one i have that's, to watch it's a british show i found on netflix and i only watched it because of this movie that got me interested in steve coogan mm-hmm. as an actor and i've watched everything that dude because i just fucking love him he's so fun to watch every uh-huh. time yeah and so i watched saxondale and i would have never seen saxondale had it not been for netflix i would have never seen the in-betweeners or the it crowd and all of these great other british style comedy shows that gave me an even greater appreciation for this and it's so fucking weird because this is sent set in tucson arizona this is an american movie i don't know this director it wasn't steve coogan that directed it no but i don't know if he didn't even write it either no but it is that tone yes and really like pinpointing even more like i noticed this time while watching it i was like I know why Kyle loves this. It's because this plays out like an hour and 30 minute version of the dinner episode from The Office. Yeah, a lot it of it. It is so cringe. But before cringe was like, yeah. before The Office, or actually it was probably like in the middle of yeah, The Office. Yeah, it was in the middle of The like, Office. You didn't really see too, too many movies doing this. This is like one of the first movies that really embraced that cringe humor. Yeah. And it, it fucking goes for it. Like... Steve Coogan cannot fucking win no, man. at anything in this movie. Like, it's there's amazing. no easy break for him. But, like, in the same way that... And this is why I liked it a lot this time, too. And maybe I didn't realize this before. But, like, it's very similar to Our Idiot Brother in that sense with Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I also kind of love that movie because, like, the lead is just, like, so unflappable. Like, even when he gets hurt or, like, in- he, like, he fucking puts on that smiley face and gets right back to it. Or he has, like, a way of ending, like, every joke with something, like, a little hopeful and cheery, like... Even though he's just been completely shit on. Yeah. 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 There's Well, there's that scene that's, like, in every theater comedy where, like, somebody re- reads the reviews. And, of course, like, he gets bad reviews on his Aaron Brockovich stand-up play. And uh, it's, it's the joke is that he goes to confront the critic and it's like this seven-year-old boy yeah who is at the school who means nothing it's like still talking like this he has a lisp <laughs> and he's yeah he's not been through puberty he is a boy but a like child. it upsets steve coogan well, to his fucking core yeah. like it is destroying him but like that's funny enough in right there like you could end the joke there and like that's what most comedies would do but then they go further and they have like steve coogan like get like a pep talk and like and hopefully he's like thank you so much for your help and yeah. like it's like this and really he like shakes weird, his hand yeah it's yeah. like this upbeat like into everything that doesn't make it just like a misery fest and it could be it could easily yes. be just like a misery fest 
but know, he's not. I think that's where British humor excels because almost all the times, like somebody is the butt of the joke. Yeah, but even the person who's the butt is having a not a good time. Like this dude's life sucks. Yeah, but he's making the best of it that he can. Yeah, he's good natured about it's it. It's incredible. He knows how sad. to take a ribbon. Like when they. So one of the big jokes throughout most of this movie is the fact that this fucking guy roller skates all over the place. And you're like, why the fuck are they doing? Like, what is this is so dumb. And it is. And that's that's another thing about this movie. It's incredibly smart, but it's also so fucking stupid. And it doesn't shy away from the stupidity. It's smart, but it's why uh, not whimsical. But there's like a term for like that kind of comedy. It's like it's like absurdist. It's absurdist. Yes, yes. It's not stupid. It is really smartly done. It's absurdist. Like the distinction sure. it yeah, is not yeah. stupid. Dude, where's my car? Is stupid. It's incredibly dumb. Yeah, and there's a there's there's an audience for that. But like this is not that exactly. But yeah. So but then it gets really sad because uh, like an hour. 10 into this you find out that he skates everywhere because he doesn't get paid for his fucking job he works for gas Gas money money. so therefore he skates to school well they build it up yeah because like you hear like hints of it earlier on like well i do this for free i don't get paid for this and like you and then it finally builds up to that it's it's i don't know this this movie does so good with like the build-up jokes like he also has like the the recurring bit of getting hurt and then like really being in pain. Everybody's like, is he acting? No, no, he's not that good. Yeah, he's not no, that no, 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 get help. Yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, I, I don't know, in case we didn't say it, like Steve Coogan's character is a kind of failed actor in yes. a sense. Like at the start of the, the movie, we see these clippets of, I, I remember the Xena, the Xena one. He was in Xena and he was also in a, what was the other one? He was in a commercial for, genital warts or genital herpes drugs it was herpical that's right so he was in like that commercial where he's like he's walking through the park on like a sunny day with his sweater draped over his shoulders and he's like and you wouldn't guess it (laughs) but i have herpes right now and he's like he's like it's it's like tropic thunder when they have all the fake commercials that's what i was just thinking yeah yeah but that's like fucking perfect character work. Like right there, we know exactly like his peak in Hollywood. We know exactly who he is. Like he is a failed actor coming back to a town to for gas money to make it teach try to work community yeah. theater essentially, but for high school, high yeah, school so he, theater. He's, he's the high school drama teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, so this man's dreams have been crushed. He is not the actor he wanted to be. And so he has determined to at least teach the craft and hopefully inspire others to maybe be something better than he was. Mm-hmm. And he has a wife played by Catherine Keener, who we recently talked about in The Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. We didn't like her as a villain in The Incredibles 2. Nope. You and I both agree here, though. Love her as a villain in this one. Absolutely. And you don't even know she's a villain. I, you do. You do. She, you know she's a shitty person, yeah, yeah. but everybody in this movie is kind of a <laughs> shitty person. Uh, yeah. The only one who's not is the great and infallible Elizabeth Shue. Oh, I would say also the mute girl who only talks like once she gets like oh, the yeah. one who gets like the trash can kicked at her face yeah. and thrown around. She's also a good person who just gets shit upon yeah. constantly. But also Elizabeth Shue. You're right. Yeah. Elizabeth Shue is an angel in this movie. Yeah. I love her introduction. It's it's so meta in a way that like most movies didn't get to yet. Like I don't 
maybe oh, this might come back. Beer Fest. I don't know if Beer Fest came out before or after this. I think this was after. Oh, okay. I was gonna say like this is up there with like the landfill. Re- well, that reveal. was a, man. That's such like, a great. It's bit. just it's like a smart kind of commentary on the the meta thing. So like he encounters Elizabeth Shue in a diner. He's like, oh, "You look just like my favorite actress, Elizabeth Shue," and she's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I am her. That's oh, me." No, like, Beer Fest was actually before this. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I thought it might. I thought it might have been. Well, anyway, it's 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 kind of like that very clever nod. Like, oh yeah, well we're just gonna do this. Yeah, and then it also becomes like. A commentary on Hollywood and how quickly it cycles through people. Yeah. And like, even if it you, doesn't like, give a shit about you, no after, matter like, how big you are, what was your latest thing? Yeah, oh, nothing. Well, get the fuck out of here. That's it. They don't That's care it. about that. So, like, yeah, yeah. That reminds exactly. me, like, a lot. Uh, so I used to work at a cell phone repair place mm-hmm. uh, with my good buddy Luke, who was kind of we birthed this show in his house. That's right. I was trying to think, did we ever have him on an episode? No, we haven't we yet. I've tried a couple times. I will get him on eventually. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about things. But he and I, we were really excited because we were going to see Method Man and Red Man. They were coming into town. Oh, we should get him on a How High episode then. I would love that. He was fucking... We were both really stoked about it because him even than me, and I'm a pretty big Wu-Tang fan. I love mm. Wu-Tang Clan. He fucking loves Wu-Tang Clan. Everybody. I went. We saw Jizza too. Jizza came through town. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before Method and Red. But anyways... There, I remember there was this very, very large black chick that we worked with who was really cool. We always had fun with her. We talked mm-hmm. with her. And we were going, we were talking about going to see this shit. And we're like, hey, yeah, you should get some tickets and come with us. It'd be a lot of fun. You know, this hip hop, who fucking care? We're all going to have a blast. And she immediately was like, man, what hit he got? She, Wait, what? What hit he got? What talking hit? about? Oh, <laughs> what? What was the last hit Method Man had? Gotcha, and because okay. Method Man hadn't had anything on the radio, she didn't care. She wasn't interested. She only wanted to see somebody who was relevant at that point in time. Sure. And that was I was like, who cares what hit he got? It's fucking Method Man. He's a fucking institution. It's Red Man. They're mm-hmm. gonna fucking kill it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be great. But. And so that's sort of the way that they're treating Hollywood in this. It's yeah. like, yeah, what hit What hit you got? You got yeah. nothing. You, you ain't done shit. Only I the don't newest, care. latest, and best. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. It, so that was always uh, that was always wild to me. I like that. Elizabeth Shue, you're the shit. Mm-hmm. He's also wearing that fucking weird dress at this yes. point. <laughs> she's actually a nurse at the sperm bank that he's at. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's been instructed to keep his balls aerated. <laughs> This was also, I think this was one of the main reasons I saw this movie, because in the trailer, they show him doing that kick and everybody reacting to seeing his dick and balls. And I did not know going in like to the, that we would actually see Steve Coogan's dick and balls. And I was like, holy shit, man. And this was before, you know, even like the hangover and all the shit where like male nudity has yeah. become a thing and forgetting Sarah Marshall did it real big. Oh, yeah. Where he's naked. This at- was right around forgetting Sarah Marshall time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. This was probably the same year, but it was when I. That's it's like you know, male nudity is always funny. Doesn't matter. Oh yeah, it's always hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, kudos to you, Steve Coogan. You win it's, in balls it's either, first. It's either funny or threatening and scary. Yes, it's yes. never anything else other than those two. <laughs> Anybody who's like that's a majestic dick, liar. You liar it's always threatening <laughs> or funny yes. yes i totally agree i even when every time i look at mine i'm either like well we're doing something about this or i'm like check it out there's a dick <laughs> and it's just me alone in the bathroom 
I look stupid down there. <laughs> what, what an ugly thing that just sticks off from half my body. What a fucking great design guy. Way to go. You fucking gonna win the JD Power and Associates Design Award for that one. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dicks are weird. Oh, oh man. Jesus uh, Christ. So I mean, I'm sure we're gonna work through some of these quotes. I'm gonna, oh yeah. I'm gonna do some and then I've got some other notes here. Uh so it starts off with this fantastic narration over his commercials and stuff that he's mm-hmm. done. And he says, Dreams die in Tucson. At one point, and I just also wanted to add in a subtle, not even subtle, but fuck you, Ben. <laughs> you Arizona bastard. Arizona gets shit on a lot in this movie. It's so good. There's that one line that he says to the student who is like, I envy you because you have only places to go. For, yeah. Like, you're only going up from here because you live in the armpit that is Tucson or yeah. something like You'll that. You'll never have to be. You've already been to the worst place in the world, which is Tucson, Arizona. It's fucking great. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he also calls somebody like an ass turd at some point. Yeah, yeah. It might be the same quote. I don't know. I love the way Steve Coogan All of his interactions. In the, I wanted to come back best. when he's talking to the fucking kid the second time and asking him his advice. And he's like, he's so nervous. And he's like biting his thumb. He's like, uh so what do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. It's so, and it's so brilliantly acted. It's so genuine. It's not played over the top mm-hmm. or like, it's just, it's so sad again and so cringe. And you're like, man. It's really similar to Tobias Funke in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But where Tobias is overtly homosexual. Yes. There's not that here. No. No, no. No. Just sad with daddy issues. A yes. bunch of daddy so issues. So many daddy issues. <laughs> I love. And that becomes another thing, oh man. Oh, my God. I love, just love the ending, how they work Jesus in. And you, because Jesus is the ultimate daddy issues, yeah. right? And then he gets the compliment. He was like. It's really interesting. I I love the way how Hamlet re- really worked with his daddy issues there. He's he's like, oh yeah, what about great. my daddy issues? What so about you, my dad? What do you think about when I said it to my dad? Yeah. Oh man, I fu- I really fucking love this movie, dude. Uh, Me too. It's it's uh it's really moved up so much. Like I I remember it not necessarily unwell, but just not with any kind of reverence. But now this has been like. This is like hot rod level for me of like cult status. Like, yeah. I think this is a fantastic movie oh, that man. more it's, people need to know. It's about. so good. I love uh, I love the little white nerdy girl who is also incredibly racist. That is my nitpick. That is. I don't like her character at all. I really and like I her. don't think it's funny. I don't I like think the, the turn, turn that she takes. I don't think the I turn really is do. funny or redeem. I don't I like, like it. I like all of that I because it like explains. <laughs> I it. It I, it's hard to say it justifies her yeah. racism, but it it explains why she is because she's scared of the fact that she likes this fucking guy. Sure, and but she's it, resisting it this entire movie. I think they do a better job with that with the other theater kid and yes. like his his dealing with homosexuality. Yeah, yeah. It, they do make it a little, or not even a little. It's very cringy when she starts trying to speak all of the Spanish. I will give you yeah. that one. But I love also, it. she drops the word beaner, which like yeah. I had not heard in, in like a long time, probably right? ten fucking years. Yeah. Like that, it, I I was like, holy shit, that was like a a, a slur that was going around back then. Uh-huh. Like I just not heard that. That's I awesome. Just, I like it when they, it's the new semester and all of the Mexican kids are in the class, 
and the two nerdy kids are sitting outside and he comes back outside after he sees him and she's like, yeah, I still get anxious around ethnics. <laughs> that was a really great line. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's that one is. But then, like I said, she yeah, goes I totally into like that beaner stuff and other things. I'm like. She's this like, is too much. I'll show you why, pendejo. Yeah, yeah. I'm like this is way too much. But like, I still liked her. She was she was fun. I liked the way the actress eh, played it. But that eh, you know, personal dif- yeah. differences. That's the one thing I disagree with you. That's it. So minor, anyways. That's, that's right. She's maybe in this for like four or five minutes tops. So no, she's in there for a little bit, but she, she's a very minor character. She is. Like I'd say, even like the ethnic characters get more to do than oh, she does more. so yeah. like i'm fine she is so so small in this movie that like it's not an issue but like that is the one thing i did not care for every other character and their humor worked i loved i love the uh the main the the oh, what's his name the lead who is the uh the the bad boy right haywood haywood oh because haywood Jablo me. I think his name's Octavio. <laughs> yeah, it's Octavio. That's right. But uh, <laughs> and like, I love how could I forget Haywood? I love that he calls him Haywood forever. And then Up when he finally the parents the, and he he says, "Your son Haywood Jablo me." I just got that. I, it's such a fucking great payoff for like forty five minutes of him calling him Haywood. I love the twist too. Is that Haywood got told he could not be a part of the play anymore so immediately like the audience and everybody watching this thinks oh it's because his parents don't understand art and they want him to focus on other things like he's got a troubled life or whatever and then you go to the parents and they're like the most affluent well-spoken people ever and it's like no we understand and appreciate the arts we just have a concern with your script and we yeah. don't understand the why there needs to juvenile be juvenile it's yeah. juvenile and like they just fully break it down and like that's a such a fucking clever twist like yeah. it's that messing with expectations and again it, again it shows the patheticness of steve coogan because once he finds out the dad's a writer he's like oh <laughs> can you help me with my script please <laughs> it's so fucking great man and it's it's a subtle shitting on steve uh-huh. coogan's character yet again just yeah this oh path- yeah oh man we it's- also we need to talk about david arquette okay and why i was going he to is an understated genius and does not get the credit he is fucking no, due. No, I love David Arquette and I love David Arquette so much in this fucking movie. People poo-poo him. And I think it's because he played, he played Doofy in the Scream movies. That's and I fine. think they've always associated like dumb bumbling to him now because he played it well. Yeah, but he's he a great actor. Is so funny in this. He's funny in like what uh what was that fucking wrestling movie? Ready to rumble? Yes, that movie's awesome. He was funny like anytime my name is Earl, he popped up. Anytime he appears anywhere, he's really fucking good. I love David and Arquette. This movie might be like my favorite David Arquette performance, which and it's is like so subtle. It is the most subtle. And yeah. it's it's mostly him playing off of Catherine Keener's Who's just hate hating of on him. him. <laughs> in like the best way possible. And he's possible. so nice. Gary's so fucking he nice, man. He is. He's, and he's so he's dumb. The he problem roommate who is just like probably the best roommate you could fucking ever have. And he doesn't <laughs> even know he's a problem. Because he doesn't get every time that she's fucking shitting on him. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. He just goes along with it. And it's so understated. It's not like. Oh. It's not even shoved in your face at all. No, no. It's it's so well done. And yeah. he's great in it. And I, I love him in this role. Fantastic. I just, again, David Arquette, 
Not the dick you guys think he is. No, not, not 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 the, the dummy. You think he not is. the dummy you think he is. Fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk about the daddy issues a little bit. All right, because let's this get into is a it. constantly recurring theme oh, in yeah. this movie. And I love that this movie it starts off making fun and it even references uh the Robin Williams movie <laughs> where he becomes like this Oh Captain My Captain. Yeah, that, Dead Poet Society. Shit. Dead Poet Society, yes. Yeah. And it it starts off like I love that he also refers to him as Robin C. Williams. Yes. Like he doesn't just not Robin Williams, but like Robin C. Williams. This also comes up <laughs> later when they reference they don't call him Jesus. It's Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> oh man. But anyways, oh, so God. this movie This so movie good. becomes like a subtle parody of the inspirational teacher movie that Steve Coogan's character so much adores and strives to be. Yeah. And he does it by accident and yeah. i love that about it too mm-hmm. it's there's so many meta layers going on in this movie mm-hmm. that are just mind-blowing and fun to dissect man yeah i mean i would even say like one of the big themes that is probably relevant today more than ever is like steve coogan is a failed actor who is stuck doing uh bomb after bomb after bomb in these high school plays because he's just regurgitating the same thing over and over again. He's doing an Aaron Brockovich musical. He's doing this and that. It's not until he does something completely on his own that he works through his own, like, he brings his own issues to the table and dissects them to play. That is when he makes it. Like, that's Hollywood. Yeah. That's Hollywood. It's nothing but repeating the same ideas over and over again. Like, how many remakes do we have? We just now, we've got, like, an Andy Circus version of the fucking Jungle Book coming out. Like, didn't we just get, like, a live-action Jungle Book? Yeah. And don't we have, like, another fucking Jungle we Book? Four we fucking, don't need yeah. Jungle Books. We, we also, don't need Jungle here's Books. Here's the other thing. We've got another fucking Robin Hood coming out. Who fucking cares? Oh, Who my God. wants that bullshit? I don't. No. I don't yeah. fucking care about Robin Hood. Right. I've seen it a right. billion fucking times. Right. Over like three different mediums. Or three not two. mediums, but three. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And it's, it's all, yeah, it's like Hollywood's like, you get these weird things out of left field that make it huge, like fucking Fury Road or Deadpool. And it's yeah. like, well, how did this work? Well, they take the wrong, they take the wrong lesson. Yes. It's, it's, oh, that's a sequel. So they like franchises. Like, no, it's because like, obviously George Miller put his heart and soul into Fury Road. Yeah. That it, it is like a giant fucking chase scene from start to finish and is unlike any other movie you've ever seen. Maybe, maybe that's why. No, no, it's just because it's Mad Max. So we'll put out another Mad Max. It'll be fine. Yeah. Whatever. Eh. All the, all no the, one we'll, cares. We'll cast Furiosa. Yeah. Because that'll be awesome. Yeah, but like we don't need Charlie Theron either. No. Like we could just recast her with Dakota Johnson sure. from the Fifty Shades movies. And it'll be, be great, man. Yeah. Nobody will care because they want to see the car bombs. <laughs> no, idiot. We'll That's... put Vin Diesel in there. Get yeah. A, get a cross franchise going. Holy shit. Too fast, too fury road. <laughs> <laughs> you came up with that way too quick. I was too... really on it, man. I was in pitch mode. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying. You can do improv. You just don't think you can, and that holds you back. Like Steve Coogan, <laughs> not thinking that he... Let's start a two-man improv group. All right. What's it going to be called? Two Dumb Artards. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> Alrighty, I'm out. This is... Uh, two white guys do slam poetry. <laughs> yes. About Martin Luther yes. King. She was my friend, also my lover. 
Sometimes I'm sad. America. <laughs> America hates us. <laughs> so do the police. I'm speaking from the perspective of an African American, but I'm oh. a white boy. That's my slam poetry. I was trying to make it I interesting. That was terrible. Interesting. What does it mean, though? It means that the police in America hates black people? It's what I've been told. I love it was just a statement. No, I was yeah, it was just a statement. I'm also a white boy. <laughs> yeah, that's I was it's like uh that episode of The Office where they sing the song from the perspective of an eight year old girl about bringing the troops home. Oh. <laughs> and he's like and then Daryl's finally like, wait a minute, so you are the eight year old little girl? And he's like, Yeah, man. It's like relevant culturally. <laughs> I love it. Everybody's like, no, Andy, that's terrible. Maybe close. It's an awful song. It's very pandering. <sighs> Andy's the worst. Ah. The worst. I love Andy. You know who's not Andy? Steve Coogan. Man. Am I right? How fucking great is Steve Coogan in this, though? He eats every scene and doesn't even try. He he is. He's got... I don't... uh, uh, This is going to show my ignorance of Steve Coogan's career because I honestly don't know what he has done before this really too, too much. Like, I know from this point on, from Hamlet 2 going forward, what he's, he's pretty done. pretty big, yeah. He's done a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's been around for a while. Yeah? Yes, yes. Oh, that's a question. I'm sorry. I, that's yes. a question. Yes, he has been around okay. for a while from Hamlet 2. I'm not as familiar with his work before this, too. Okay. Because, again, this was my first exposure to him. Yeah. Well, Saxondale might have been around this time. I think Saxondale is later. Ooh. And I, I think this kind of blew up his... His recognition and opportunities. Okay. I, I know he's done stuff before, but yeah, I fucking love him, man. I mean, he comes in like a comedy champ. Like, there is no hesitation. There is no... Like, he just seems so sure-footed in yes. the character that he's doing. And, and and maybe it's just a character thing, but like, I've seen him from this point on, like, so many other things. And it is like a different Steve Coogan in every every project like this to alan alan partridge, partridge to to his role in tropic thunder to uh oh shit philomena to the trip series like everyone is so different like i think he is he is one of those people that can just easily slip into get, any man, character for like, real perfectly like saxondale is the complete opposite of the character in this and yet it's still steve coogan yeah. And dude, I cannot wait for you to watch Saxondale. I I'm excited. It. Yeah. I've really never even it. heard of it before today. You're but really going to fucking dig this. it, man. Oh, and yeah. uh, we are definitely going to do an episode on Saxondale as a whole. There you go. So I'm excited about that. Um, But yeah, man, what I love about Steve Coogan as an actor is that for he has chemistry with everybody he interacts with, which is not yeah. something you get. There's a lot of actors that are fucking full of themselves and they mm-hmm. refuse to give stuff to man steve coogan is there to make everybody better and he does yes. dude. like everybody he interacts with he's elevating almost you know who he reminds me of and maybe this is going to be a stretch danny mcbride yeah absolutely much in the same way that danny mcbride does these tv shows that are like so down into like specificity of like I think they cast a lot of people who are not actors, but like are people from the community and Danny McBride shows. And I kind of get that with Steve Coogan here. Like you take away Elizabeth Shue, Kathy Keener, some of these other people, but like 
some of those kids, like that 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 critic that he pressures, I'm sure that was just like a seven, eight year old in that area at the time. But like Steve Coogan flawlessly works off this kid. Yeah. And I think he can do that with anybody. Much in the same way Danny McBride also like builds up the people around him. These weirdos that like he collects from North Carolina because that's <laughs> where every fucking Danny McBride show yeah. is shot. But like it's just it's that same kind of I don't know. Is it like appreciation or like specificity of certain characters around him too? Like I feel like they really hone in on his surrounding players too. Yeah. Like everybody you can you know their characters. Yeah. For good or bad, like I don't like that one girl and her her racial, I don't know, conflictions. Sure. But like that is a character arc or, or not arc uh trope. Like that is a specific character that's been made. And like they're all very, very different. Like I don't know. I, I just the the way the ensemble is handled in this movie too is like Better than most as well. Yeah, because way better than most. I can, again, you care about every character. Individually single out at least like 10 people. Yeah. Like who are very different. And they are very different. Mm-hmm. And they're not just tropey. And that's one of, another great thing I love about the Haywood character. Because oh, yeah. He, he puts on this front of this fucking gangbanger. And then we find out he comes from this very affluent mm-hmm. background. And he's... He's putting on the. He's act. an A plus student or yeah, something. Yeah, he's too. got like a fucking three point nine GPA, and he's yeah. already been accepted to an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. And he walks around with his fucking shorts down and talks like a gangbanger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I don't. It's uh, coming back to that and the daddy issues. I love that. Like as soon as Haywood said that he couldn't do it because his parents told him no, Steve Coogan was like, "No, we're fighting this because he has a fucking issue with father figures and." While it mm-hmm. is certainly established, that's one that's I feel a lot more subtle undertone. So. That, that's the reason he goes to fight him. I mean, it's very obvious with like the principle that he has a problem because he even one at one point says, "You will not do this to me, father." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> even the, that fucking meltdown. This is like this whole movie is a long, slow mental breakdown of Steve Coogan's character. Oh yeah, it's just the the saddest, slowest character. Uh, <laughs> character study into somebody reaching rock bottom mm-hmm. before like turning it around because that is what this movie is and like, he only turns everybody around. leaves him everybody abandons him nobody has faith in him but somehow he's able to rise from it and th- what i love is that he isn't even the one that orchestrates his rising all these fucking kids do all yeah. the work well, it's because he inspired them. And I love that. But he. But I think it's his. That, and I that, love that he doesn't shit on them at the yeah. end. He doesn't become this super fucking full of himself person. Mm-hmm. When they, spoiler alert, get success and take the play to Broadway, he brings the original cast because mm-hmm. they're the ones. He understands that they did all the work and they inspired him. Even oh, for though, sure. Like, it's not made super. And he doesn't acknowledge it at that point. Yeah. Because, like, eventually. They tell him, like, dude, we've sold out, like, every seat. This thing's going on. He's like, what? <laughs> Everything's, it's, I don't know. It man. is. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. <laughs> I love, they uh. Also, uh, it, ah, fuck. I lost it. God damn. Never mind. Go I was going to, so <laughs> I want to talk about the performance itself. Cause this is like the, the third act of the movie. Okay. Is the actual play. And we get to see snippets of this 
So let's talk about this. The movie is called Hamlet 2. Yes. Because Steve Coogan's character, a drama teacher in Tucson, Arizona, has written a sequel to Shakespeare's Hamlet, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest tragedies of all time, where every character in the play dies. (laughs) He has written a sequel Uh to this. It would be tantamount to making a Titanic 2. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh With Jack and Rose and Billy Zane and all of the other people, the orchestra, they're all back because of this ham-fisted incorporation of a time machine out of nowhere and now we have lightsabers too which is fan fucking tastic again this movie is so meta and it's presented so straight forward mm-hmm. and straight like it's telling you a story oh yeah a real story but then all the humor is in like uh, uh, you uh, you said it perfectly absurdity oh yeah and it is it, it is. It is absurd that somebody wrote a sequel to Hamlet 2. Well, I mean, it's absurd, but it all starts from, like, a real place. Because we all we all know that person, right? Who, like, appreciates something, but, like, for all the wrong reasons, right? Because that's, that's essentially Steve Coogan's character. Like, he loves, loves theater. Like, yeah. more than anything. And that's why I think, like, when he brings the kids and, like, gives them... It's, it's not because he was trying to get famous. I think, like, he just really honestly loves theater. Like, that is his passion. But he takes away, like, all the wrong things from it, you know? Like, that's why we get Hamlet, too. And it's like, they're like, why, why did you pick a play to write a sequel to where everybody dies? And he's like, well... I always had a problem that everybody died at the end or something like that. I thought like, it was kind of all such a downer. Yeah, it's like, uh, what? Well, uh, yeah, interesting. You're, that you're you calling the greatest <laughs> tragedy of modern written but like, word. Yeah, it's like, that's a, the a point. Bummer? <laughs> yeah. But then he goes and like he redoes it and it's his own weird thing. And people love that too. And he finds success there. I don't know. Is that a, is that a criticism of like modern audiences and what they, are it could expecting be. that they yeah. don't quite understand, like, hey, art can be sad too. Oh yeah, you know? but like, we, so with we, like we test audiences, we, yeah, we always get reshot endings because test audiences hated the original artist's very sad version, and they wanted the hero yeah. to win. So so many, I've heard that I can't tell you how many times in the last ten years that like the original yeah. ending called for the hero to die, but test audiences thought it was too sad. So they reshot it mm-hmm. where he saves the girl and gets out of the exploding tunnel. And it's like, well, I want to see the one that the creator wanted me to see. Yeah. It's what I want. Yeah. I don't care about the test audience. Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Phil Lord, Chris Miller cut of Han Solo. <laughs> right. I want to see the list those, goes man. on and on and on. I know, yeah. man. Um, I love... Love that the copy store guy shows up at the fucking performance and he's stoned. And when the <laughs> when the lights hit, he's the he's like, yes! yes! <laughs> he's so into it, man. That's ah, oh, that fucking cracked me up, dude. He was so into it because he's ripped. Oh man, well, was- it's again like just such a uh, there's payoffs, callbacks, yes, callbacks, like. Be intentful. If you're going to be a comedy, like, it's fine to be absurdist, 
be intentful. Like, have a reason for doing it. Bring that guy back. And that it shows makes you're sense paying attention. why he was so, like, he didn't care at the fucking copy job because he was probably stoned there and just. Exactly. He's like, yeah, the yeah. orange one's cool too. And then <laughs> there's this payoff where he's fucking getting ripped at this thing and he's super into it. It's like uh, the stoners that would go to laser light shows of oh, Pink Floyd yeah. in the 70s. <laughs> oh, I love that dude. I love uh, the Christian girls who are flipping out during Rock Me yes. Sexy Jesus. And then as they listen, it's... and I feel Oh, like I get it. Jesus fought the bad guy. He defeated Satan. That's, that's another meta thing that like she literally goes, wait, I totally get it. <laughs> it's fucking amazing, dude. This movie is fan-fucking-tastic. Man, for real, like my favorite. So Steve Coogan is playing Jesus. They all talk about how Jesus has a sexy rock and swimmer's bod. And when he, he comes back to modern times, well, he would have to market himself like a celebrity, be hip and cool so people pay attention. And so during the fucking Rock Me Sexy Jesus song, he goddamn moonwalks on fucking water. <laughs> Is that not the best fucking thing ever, man? It's pretty good. It's so it's goddamn good, good, dude. <laughs> oh my f- I love it. I really man, I have It's just it's like the the most passive aggressive middle finger to Christians. <laughs> yeah, he's moonwalking on water. Oh my fucking god. It is amazing. For real. Like uh, I've sucked this movie off tons and I will continue to. It's good. It's I am so one good. of the biggest proponents of this movie. I fucking love Hamlet too. It was only reinforced this time. I am now with you. Go watch and I Hamlet too. I didn't too. think it was gonna be that way. I thought it was gonna be a case of like, yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And then Kyle's pro- you're professing your love, but no, I would say this is like one of the best comedies of the 2000s. Like, it's up in the top five, it's top ten for sure. Of 2018 being current year, it is in the top comedies of the past decade easily. With it coming out in 2008. <sighs> Woo! I think so. I have some that are higher, but it's definitely, like I said, in my top ten. Yeah. At the very least, probably my top five. Like, yeah. I love it. I really enjoy it. It's, I've seen a lot of comedies... Throughout the last 10 years, this one I go back to a lot. So it's a good one. It's, it's a good one. And it's one, again, I'm pretty sure none of you have seen. Yeah. So you should absolutely You see should it. really go see Hamlet 2 right now. Just Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Out of 10 sexy Jesuses. Ooh, fucking great. How many sexy Jesuses would you give to Hamlet 2? Man, I'm going to say like... Nine and a half sexy Jesus. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm fucking up there. I thought you were going to go for the full 10. I was very close. It's, man, even a, a nine and a half is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It's not the perfect movie. It's not the perfect comedy. No. But, man, it's fucking close. You should see That's Hamlet, good. too. So mm-hmm. nine and a half. Yeah. Nine and a half sexy Jesuses. Mm-hmm. Ryan, same question to you, buddy. Let me go Nine. God damn. This is a solid nine. Cause this really wow. did bump up this time. It moves. And, and maybe this is a product of all of the Apatow comedies I've seen since that I've gotten so tired of these two hour movies that, you know, I, I still enjoy. They are still funny, but at the same time, like I'd say they're probably like six, seven out of 10 movies. Like they're not anything amazing. This one, 
got in, got out super quick, utilized everybody perfectly with the small amount of time they had. Yeah. And even worked in like a fucking musical number and most of like enough of the play to give you like a sense of what that play would be. Yeah. Enough. So I'm like, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. It's, it's the same with forgetting Sarah Marshall, how they show like enough of that Muppet play at the end. I'm like, I'd watch the fuck out of that play. I was even thinking today when I was like walking around in the house, I was like, man, I wonder if I could make Hamlet 2 into a workable thing. I think you could. I think so, too. I think you could. And I think it'd be really easy to do. Yeah, I think so, too, man. Yeah. If I had more ambition, (laughs) I might do it. We'll see. But uh, anyways, man. Wow. A nine and a nine and a half. Yeah. This is. Is this our highest ranked stuff for the year so far? I I think think Annihilation might. Be, be up higher there. might be yeah. okay annihilation was pretty fucking high I, for us i also think our fucking stupid scale on that one was like in the thousands mm. if i remember correctly maybe i love how we just have a different scale i don't know fucking <laughs> Fuck so consistency who knows, who knows? <laughs> consistency as we established at the beginning of this episode is for the boys well it's good because you know what you shouldn't be fucking comparing to any other movie no. you should fucking compare the movie to what it sets out to do and what it does and in case in point, Hamlet 2 is a masterpiece in that it fucking takes a stupid asinine concept and breeds like actual legit satire and good smart humor into it. It gives you a little a little little pinch of that cringe sauce. Oh yeah. Just a little pinch. Yeah. Perfect. Actually man. a lot of cringe sauce. It's like smothered in cringe sauce, but it's great. I love it. I love it, man. I love <laughs> that you enjoyed this so much. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad we just dove into it. I literally yeah. thought of this like a week and a half ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'd really like to talk about Hamlet 2. And then yeah. we just did it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. fucking great, man. Fuck so, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I, I got nothing else to say, dude. No. I went through my notes. Uh, other than if you're still here now, go watch Hamlet 2. Absolutely. If you are so desperate, I will mail you my copy as long as you promise to mail it back. Damn. But you can find it somewhere. But I want people yeah. to see this movie. It's at most three or four dollars to rent online at yeah. any place. Just, Just do fucking it. do it. Just do it. Do it. It's gonna be much, much, much more worth it than going to see the Megan theaters this weekend. <laughs> fucking put your money on that. I'll be there. I know you will. But you got the AMC pass, so it's no money lost to you. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I am Kyle. I am Ryan. And we are Experience Grind Podcast and go. Push Bye everybody. <laughs>